Uh, if you will, stand with me, and let's look at the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 5, verses 17 uh, through uh, 21, the first part of 21. Remember last week we kind of talked about sometimes uh, the chapters and verses uh, aren't quite at the right place uh, in terms of thought, and so chapter 21 sort of breaks. Um, there's a second half to that, but we're just going to stick on the first half of uh, verse 21, I mean. And so we're going to begin reading at verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. It says, But the high priest rose up along with all of his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison. And taking them out, he said, Go, stand, and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. And upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak, and they began to teach. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. Lord, this video that we just saw reminded us that even today, in 2020, there are brothers and sisters who do not have this privilege, but must gather very quietly uh, do not have the privilege of amplification of sound, do not have the privilege to worship uh, uh, as we have the privilege to worship in the way in which we're able to worship this morning, but love you nonetheless, uh, who are desirous of our prayers, some who are in prison for their faith, some who are uh, meeting in very private areas, Lord. We recognize them today, and we pray, God, for your grace to minister to them. But Lord, we also pray that you would move upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that while we have opportunity to preach the gospel forcefully and loudly, while we have the opportunity to be able to lift our voices in praise to you, to the top of our lungs, O oh Lord, that we will do it for you are worthy. Lord, we don't want to find ourselves at some point uh, down the road wishing just one more opportunity, God, to praise you with the loudness of my voice. God, just maybe one more opportunity to be able to exalt you, Lord, to, to preach your word, to share your gospel. Lord, while there is time, we want to use these opportunities that you would be glorified and that your name would be praised. And so, God, we thank you for this time that we have in your word, and we pray that you will help us, God, that you will teach us by the power of the Spirit just now in your name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. In Acts chapter 5, uh, our last message that we shared together at the end of uh, the message in uh, the last few verses in uh, 16, uh, 15 and 16, what we found in, in chapter 5 is that uh, the apostles, they were preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel. They were doing what they were called to do. They were doing the things that God had spoken to them to do. They were doing the things that they were anointed to do. And God was blessing them in the things that they were doing. Uh, the Bible says that there were signs and wonders that were taking place at the hands of the apostles during this time. And while signs and wonders were taking place, while the gospel was uh, being preached and God was on the move in uh, that time period and in their midst, that 
the uh, religious leaders stepped forward and tried to kind of squash what was going on. <clears throat> Even though there are times in your life where you may be doing the right thing, you may be walking along the right path, God may be blessing by his hand what you are doing, we have to realize that there are also times when the enemy seeks to fight against that. And what we see in this instance with the apostles, they were uh, preaching and teaching, and then in public, they were taken and they were pulled away and cast into the public prison. When I look at verses 17 and 18, when I look at what has gone on and I try to think about what that would have been like, we see that the apostles went through a period when they were put in jail, at least in the eyes of the world, a period of public uh, humiliation. This was the second time the apostles had been persecuted by the religious authorities. The high priest and the Sadducees, now remember the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe that Jesus could have been raised from the dead, and so they wanted to squash uh, any preaching or any teaching related to Jesus or related to the resurrection. And their bad theology informed their bad attitude, which was jealousy of what God was doing through other people. And because of their bad attitude, it informed their bad actions, which meant, which took the apostles and threw them into jail. See, because the Sadducees and the high priest, they were not jealous of the apostles' position in the world because the apostles' position did not threaten the high priest and did not threaten the Sadducees. Their position was quite low, in fact. They were not recognized religious leaders. They were not part of the temple worship community in some sort of position or otherwise. But what the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the high priest were jealous of was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was upon the apostles. Because religious people are often jealous of godly anointing. They will seek to put your calling into captivity because it threatens their power. Religious people will publicly shame you and seek to turn others against you because to them, power is the most important thing. We look at it right here in the scriptures. The high priest and the Sadducees, what mattered to them was having power over people. They loved having the prestige. They loved wearing the, uh, the garments, the fancy garments, that they would get the accolades, that people would come to them, that people would seek after them. And what they sought to do was to take the people whom God's anointing rested upon and to place them into prison, to humiliate them in front of others. But that humiliation that the apostles endured worked in their favor because it created in the apostles an endurance like James tells us in chapter 1 verse 2. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Trials for you may be that 
you are encountering a religious spirit. Trials for you may be a simple natural trial. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's something going on in your relationships. Maybe it's your something at your workplace or otherwise. That may be your trial. James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various types of trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you are encountering a trial of the night or a trial of the soul, a difficulty, whatever that may be in your particular circumstance, what you must come to know is that you can consider it joy in your life because God is working in you something that is greater even than yourself. He is working out within you an ability to endure through challenging and difficult circumstances. And his working out in you is to perfect you that you will be complete and lacking nothing. Any trial that tests your faith produces endurance. The ability for you to go the long distance with Jesus. And as you gain endurance, the perfect result is your completion in Christ, lacking nothing. James goes on to say, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We often like to think about the second portion of that verse. That if we ask in faith without doubting, that if we can just conjure up enough faith and we just don't doubt that God is going to give us whatever we ask. But we fail to connect that with the earlier verses in verses 2 and 3 and 4. These verses are connected that when you are going through the trial, when you are going through the challenge of life, when you are in your dark night, of the soul when you are encountering like encountering like the apostles the religious spirit when you are encountering the natural trial of your particular relationship or your job or your health or whatever may be going on in your life when you are going through those things you can count it all joy because God is producing in you an endurance to keep trusting in Jesus and as you keep trusting in Jesus if you don't understand why you are going through this or what is going on you can then ask Jesus for wisdom in your trial and if you do that and don't doubt in the Lord Jesus Christ that God will give you an understanding of what is going on that verse is connected with the understanding of walking by faith through the trial of life. Don't doubt your relationship with Jesus. Don't doubt Jesus' love for you. Don't doubt the power of God to save you. The power of God to deliver you. When you are in the moment of your greatest need, don't doubt Christ. But it's okay to cry out to the Lord for wisdom and for 
understanding. God, which way should I turn? God, reveal to me understanding in my particular circumstance. God, give me grace to know what I'm supposed to do in this particular moment. And when you do that, not doubting your relationship with Jesus, not doubting that Jesus is for you and not against you, not doubting that you are created in his image and he loves you, he will reveal to you how he is working within you an eternal weight of glory. The public humiliation of the apostles by being hauled in front of the religious authorities and being thrown in jail worked for their good and for the good of the gospel. When you're trusting in Christ, the moment that you are walking through the trial in your life right now, as you keep your eyes upon the author and the finisher of your faith, God is using it and God is working in you for your good and for his glory. What the scriptures command us to do is to act in faith toward Jesus. Don't stop believing in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. The apostles did not think of giving up in the midst of their hardship. Though there was public humiliation, verses 19 and 20 tells us that God was supernaturally, spiritually at work. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison. And taking them out, he said, go and stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. What we read in scripture, what we often find when we're working through the scriptures is that God often works at night. He often is working in the night hour. In the Old Testament, Lamentation says that we should cry out to the Lord at night. We see that Jacob wrestled with God at night. That Samuel cried out to the Lord regarding Saul all night. In the New Testament, we see time and time and time again, Jesus retreating to be alone in the night hour. Paul and Silas were praying in the prison in the night hour. And here we see the apostles in prison as well at the night hour. And the night is often synonymous with a trial and with darkness in our life. But what I would say to you this morning is that when you look at the clock and when it begins to be nighttime, when you begin to step into the trial of your life and you know something is coming and the clock begins to tick, what you can be assured of is that in midnight when you are crying out to God, 1 a.m. is coming. And 2 a.m. is coming. And 3 a.m. is coming. And before long, the sun is going to crest off the horizon. And you will see the grace of God at work in your life. Night is only for a defined period of time. It comes to an end and your trial too will end. But what we must realize is that also during the night, there seems to be a heightened level of spiritual activity. Think about what we normally do at nighttime. At a certain point, we begin preparing ourselves for bed. And in the natural realm, you lay your head upon the pillow. And most of us, when we lay our head upon the pillow, we don't have a fear that we're not going to wake up in the morning. 
For the majority of us, when we lay our head on the pillow, we expect to wake up in the morning. That is why today you may think about and start making plans for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday because you know when you go to bed tonight or you hope when you go to bed tonight or you expect when you go to bed tonight that on Monday morning you will wake up again. And then when you go to bed on Monday evening, you're going to wake up again on Tuesday evening. You rest by faith. You lay your head on your pillow and you close your eyes hoping for rest by faith, believing that in the morning you will wake up again. Nighttime when we are resting is also often the time when we dream. When our mind is actually very active. And there are dreams happening within our minds. Some of them Maybe things that are related to what you ate the night before. But oftentimes, I believe that God speaks to us through the dreams that we have. There are times when I've had dreams that I don't care to remember. There are times when I've had dreams that I know they were from the Lord. That they were very vivid. That when I woke up, I knew what had happened. And I knew I had to write it down. And I knew that I had to pray for an understanding. But it's at nighttime when our minds are active with dreaming. And it's at nighttime that even though your body is active, even though your mind is active, but when you are at rest at night, you anticipate waking up in the morning refreshed. You anticipate when you arise that there will be a difference from the yawning and the sluggishness of when you went to sleep the night before. You see, it goes the same way through the trials of life. Oftentimes we cry out during the midst of our trials, God, where are you? God, I don't feel you. God, I don't see you. God, I don't know where you are. God, I don't understand. But what I believe the Lord would have us to know and have us to understand is that oftentimes walking through the trial is a time of great spiritual activity. It's a time of great move of the Holy Spirit. When our hearts and minds are set upon the Lord Jesus Christ, when we walk through our difficult season of life, we can know that yes, there will be an end to this. And yes, I can rest in this trial because I am resting in Christ. It is also the time when God can reveal to you things about yourself. Maybe things about the direction that he's speaking to you. The calling that he has for you. But as you rest in the Lord through your trial and as you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get on the other side of it, when you see the sun begin to rise again, you can wake up refreshed in Jesus. You can come out on the other side of it, powerful and mighty in the Lord. We also see in this time in prison that God sends the right power at the right time. The angel of the Lord visits in the prison, and it was at the right moment. Again, in the trial, in the nighttime, in the dark hour, the angel visits the Lord. And he recommissions the apostles, and he tells them, I want you to go and tell this message of the Lord Jesus Christ. It seemed like up until this point that those in authority had the upper hand. It seemed like the Sadducees and the high priest, they had 
put them into the prison and it was locked up and they see, it seems like at this moment there is no way out. No one baked them a cake with a saw inside. There was nothing to rattle the door loose from its hinges. But it was at the moment when the things going on on the outside that they had no control over seemed to have the upper hand, that hope came by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. God overcame the natural challenges and he reaffirmed what he was calling them to do. Go and tell this message of truth to those who have not heard. The Bible says in Romans 11 and 29, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If God has placed a calling upon you for His purpose, there is nothing that you will do to change that calling. When God gave you the calling, He knew the circumstances in which you were in. He knew your future and He also knew your past. John Bunyan, the writer, called to be a preacher, no official backing from the church. And because he didn't have any official backing from the church in the 1600s in England, it was against the law for him to preach the gospel. But he knew he was called and he continued to preach. And as he continued to preach, someone kind of let him in to know that the authorities would be coming for him in about an hour. They did not want to arrest him. So they kind of tipped him off that they would be coming in hopes that he would uh, flee away. But he didn't do that. He continued with courage to preach the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so two men came in at the back of the house where he was preaching. And after the service, they went up and arrested him and they put him in prison. Can you imagine 12 years for preaching the gospel? 12 years in prison for preaching the message of hope. But he knew he was called to prison. And it wasn't the chains of prison or the bars of prison that would stop him. He knew his calling and he continued to preach. When there were prisoners in the prison cell, John Bunyan would stand up and he would begin to preach the message of hope to those who were in the prison cell. When he could lift himself up and he could look through the bars and see what was going on, John Bunyan would preach outside the bars to the passersby on the other side of the prison wall. And as he continued to preach the Lord put in his heart and he wrote several books including one that many of you have read and if you haven't read it I would encourage you to do so it's called the pilgrim's progress many consider this the first novel ever written in English considered one of the greatest theological fiction works in all of English literature written in 1678 and has never been out of print and it talks about the plight of a man named Christian leaving the city of destruction, journeying toward the celestial city. And he begins with the burden on his back. And the burden is pictured as like an army backpack, something filled with all sorts of things that he can't get released from. And he goes through scene after scene from the pit of despair and other things where he is 
persecuted until finally by the power of God, Christian is released from his burden. And in the end, you see him running towards the celestial city. This is a picture of you and me and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you today are bearing a burden. You are going through the pit of despair. You are in the night in the prison. And the Lord is speaking to you today that there is release from the burden that you bear. And as the release from the burden that you bear comes, God will empower you to run like the eagle toward the celestial city. God has a plan and God has a purpose. And God will supernaturally work in your life to bring about His purposes for His glory. They were humiliated in public. The power of God moved upon them in the night hour. Not only did the power of God move upon them in the night hour, but the power of God restored them to their former place. Verse 21 says, Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak, and they began to teach. Now, later... In earlier in chapter 5, what we talked about last week, you'll recall that they were preaching and teaching in Solomon's portico, which was part of the temple complex proper, uh, but sort of on the outside perimeter. That's where they were apprehended beforehand, was in that area of the temple complex. Here, the angel of the Lord does not tell them, which I find very interesting, he does not tell them to go someplace and flee the persecution. He doesn't say, now go and preach this gospel out in the bush where the high priest and the Sadducees will not be able to get to you. Go and take this message and Preach it in the house behind a closed door where no one else will hear or know. The angel actually takes them and restores them to their former place of preaching, their former place of teaching, the former place where the signs and wonders were taking place at the hands of the apostles, Luke tells us. Now, yes, in the future, more persecution comes. Yes, in the future, more challenges come. But in this moment, they are restored to the place of fellowship, to the place of worship, and to the place of service. So what they see in the life of the apostles is that while in man's eyes they were pushed down and put into the prison, God in the moment of darkness in prison reaches down and picks them up and restores them to the place where the religious leaders' eyes are directly on them. And in that moment, they're to preach, they're to teach, they're to share the whole counsel, the whole message of what Jesus has done. So it's not even as if, go and preach, but don't mention the resurrection anymore, because it kind of riles up those big wig guys. You know, you can, you can talk about living right, you can talk about all these things, but don't go and talk about the resurrection of Jesus because it makes these religious leaders a little upset. No, the angel says, I'm putting you back in the same place that you were before. I'm going to restore you at the same place. I'm going to 
give you the same message and you're going to preach the same message, the whole message about Jesus Christ. They did this again, did not stop the intensity of the persecution. But what this moment does is give them endurance for future trials. So I can't promise you this morning that when God reaches down in your prison cell and he delivers you from the moment of your darkest hour, I cannot promise you that there won't be another dark hour to come. I can't promise you that there isn't going to be something else that is going to come along that is going to disturb you. But what I can promise you, what I can say to you is that in this moment, in your trial that you're going through right now, God is working for your good and for his glory in such a way that your endurance is strengthening up that as the moment comes, you can run with the Lord Jesus Christ and this trial that's coming next time you'll be ready because you will run through this trial because you know God will deliver you again if he delivered you over here Chris Chapel if he delivered you from this moment God is going to walk through and do a work for you again your trial right now is for your good and God's glory for God to tell you that he sees you he sees where you are but he is using you for something that is bigger than what you can see right now. Now tell me, when you're outside and it's cloudy outside and the moon is not out and the stars are not out and you're away from the lights of the city and you walk outside, what do you see? Black. It's dark. You can't see, can you? You don't know what is happening. You don't know what is going on. It's kind of, you're sort of feeling for what's going on. You're not quite certain what is happening. That's what it's like when you're in the dark prison cell. That's what it's like in the middle of the night when you feel locked in and you're rattling, somebody help, somebody help, somebody help. And you can't feel for anyone there. But God has provided something for you. God has provided a grace for you. Do you know what grace is? One preacher said it like this, and I love it. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. God has provided God's riches at Christ's expense for you and the people that are in this room. Because when you're in your dark moment, Brother Tony Love is going to come up beside of you and his smile is going to be from ear to ear and he is going to encourage you in your faith and we're doing this for Jesus, right, Pastor? We're moving on for Jesus, right, Pastor? That's what Brother Tony is going to tell you because there's somebody else that has been through the trial of life that has seen God work, has seen God's power, and he sees where you are and he's going to help encourage you through it.
your faith is being built. And you must recognize that restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. I believe that restoration is coming. I believe that restoration is coming both for the church as a corporate entity and also for individuals. Restoration is coming. It is time that the church recovers its prophetic voice in our day. You and I must recognize that this is a necessity as God begins to bring things to a conclusion in this world. That the church must recover its prophetic voice to be able to speak into the world in which we exist. And I believe that often that prophetic voice has been stifled by the spirit of religiosity. But throughout history, what we have seen is people crying out to the Lord for God to bring back his spirit, God to pour out his spirit, and God to restore the prophetic voice of the church. And I believe that we are in such a season right now. I believe that we are in a season where there are people crying out for the prophetic voice of the Lord to be manifest among God's people once again, to speak truth to power, to walk in the ways of the Lord, to live righteously in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that there is a restoration coming. What you and I have to do is become so hungry for something other than what we have had and what we have been feasting on to know that we've only been eating corn pops and potato chips. That's all we've been able to feast on and we haven't been feasting on the meat of the word and God is calling us once again to invest ourselves into his word that the church would recover its prophetic voice to speak decisively into this day. When Jesus came on the scene in the first century, what did they say about the Lord Jesus Christ? He speaks as one with authority and not like one of the religious leaders. There is an authoritative nature in the unified voice of the church to speak into our day. When we gather about, I don't remember how many, 40, 50 teens at a house last night and they begin to sit around and a missionary begins to share about God's power on the mission field and we begin to pray and kids begin to lift their hands and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And it's one after another, after another, after another. God is stirring up something. And what you and I must be certain to do is that we don't cast upon them a religious spirit that seeks to stifle out the anointing that God has upon them. Most often in church history, when we look at revivals and people who study revivals, what they find is that often it is the young people that begin to pray, begin to cry out, begin to want something different. And what they have experienced. And long for what they read in the scriptures. What they say in the book of Acts. Why am I preaching through the book of Acts? Because I believe the book of Acts is relevant to us today. And I believe when the angel steps in and he releases the captives from the prison. That God can step in in our day and he can release the captives from the prison. 
I believe that when there is a lame man that is raised up by the apostles, I believe in our day God can raise up the lame man. I believe that God can open the blind eye. I believe what the book of Acts speaks to us is the church that we ought to be. And God is calling us to recover that voice. There is restoration coming. But there is also restoration coming for you and for your life. I believe there is restoration coming for you and for your life. The circumstances that you're going through in your life right now, some of you, many of you, going through challenging areas of life, going through a challenging time of life, see it as God's glory working on your behalf. God is stirring up within you an ability to endure for the future. What I always think about when someone is going through a dark challenge, I think God is doing something. God is moving. God is going to do something with this person. When man counts them out, when man says there's nothing we can do, when man says that's it, that's all, we've thrown away the key, that is God's opportunity to do something only the Lord Jesus Christ can do. And for some of you, there is a time of restoration coming. I believe there is a season that you have existed in, and God is saying the time of restoration is coming. Hold on a little longer. Keep the faith in Jesus a little while longer. Seek after him him in prayer ask him for wisdom god will give it to you god will give you understanding for why you are walking in the situation that you are walking in and as god gives you wisdom and understanding you will testify to his greatness and his mercy in your life You are not alone. The enemy wants to pull you by yourself. He wants you in the darkness to only see darkness. To not know there are others interceding for you. To think that nobody cares, that nobody understands, that there's no one who's ever been through anything like what you have been through before. And what God wants you to do is look around the room and see people who have gone through deep and dark challenges in their life and have come through to the glory of God. What he doesn't, what the Lord doesn't want you to do is give up faith. Give up faith. To turn around, to go back, to say, I'm through, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. I know people who have gotten to the end of the rope. I know people who could not take it anymore. And it's not just people outside the church. It's people inside the church. And it's not just casual attenders of church. It's people who serve in the church. A woman who I call a friend, a pastor's wife, a few years ago took her own life because it got too much. She couldn't bear it anymore. And in the church situation in which she found herself in, I would attest she had no support. Play in church. Play in church.
I could tell you stories. But what I will tell you is this church won't be like that. We're not going to be that way. We're going to be a people who loves people. We're going to be a people who walks people through. We're going to be a people who cares, who's long-suffering, who's willing to go the distance because we want to see people on the other side because what I have seen in my own life is what walking with brothers and sisters can do for the long run in enduring the future trials of life. God has a plan. God has a purpose. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to visit us. I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you need prayer this morning, <clears throat> you need someone to stand with you. We're going to do that. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to touch you. I can't promise deliverance. I can't promise that the angel will come down and release you from prison today. But what I can promise you is that as you keep your eyes upon the Lord, as your focus is singular toward Jesus Christ, that as you walk through the trial you are going through and you keep your eyes upon Jesus, that God is building up within you an endurance for you to be to restored to a place where you engage your prophetic witness to the world around you. Yes, I believe that. So God, help us today. Lord, I pray for those who are in a moment of darkness. They're in the wilderness. The stars are not shining. The moon is not shining. They wonder where you are. I pray, oh God, that in this moment, they would sense a freeness. A, a freedom to be real with those around them. A, a freedom to cry out to you. Just in crying out to you, it's an act of faith. God, I pray that by your mercy today, Lord Jesus, that there would be people, God, that you reveal to them an understanding of why this particular trial has come. God, that you would give them wisdom and understanding. God, we pray today by your mighty hand. Lord, we pray, oh Lord, that you would do a work that only you can do.
Let our example be the Lord Jesus Christ who humbled himself and came to earth. Who endured the trials of life including being spat upon, being humiliated, being denied, being crucified, who endured it because he knew there was a greater glory coming. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us today. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, you feel the Lord moving upon you, that this is a moment for you to pray. Maybe you uh, aren't quite sure how to approach it. I would just invite you to come and let brothers and sisters meet you here at the front to pray with you to intercede with you so that you know you're not alone that's what these moments are for to know that you are not alone you're not walking this path alone as they sing as they lift their voices to the lord we remain in a spirit of prayer i'm going to invite those of you who need particular prayer in your night in the prison. You're praying for deliverance. You're praying for wisdom. You're praying for understanding. I'm going to invite you to come. That the Lord would move upon you. That God's grace would be with you. And brothers and sisters would bind together and intercede on your behalf. Let's seek the Lord together.